Hello, everyone. Welcome to another 15-minute devotional. This is an online video and podcast series for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. And for any viewers on Facebook and YouTube and listeners to Melvin Gaines's Faith Channel. Appreciate you being here today. My name is Melvin Gaines. Now, this program encourages viewers and listeners to get into God's Word and stay in it with consistency as you learn and grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today's program is covering the daily reading for Wednesday, July 5th, 2023. Now, our church, Akron Alliance Fellowship, encourages participation in the two-year Bible reading plan. It allows for the reader to cover the entire Bible over a two-year period. In this particular devotional here, our program presents the passages for the day, as if you were reading the two-year Bible plan. And then it make, we're going to make some verbal notes as we go about the content. Now, when you personally follow the two-year Bible reading plan, it normally covers about a 7 to 10-minute period of time in reading the Bible, followed by about another 5 to 8-minute period of time reflecting on the readings and then closing out in prayer. That is why we call this program the 15-minute devotional. The program is going to go longer than 15 minutes, but the idea is that you reading the Bible every day can take 15 minutes of your time, but it's going to be quality time in the Word. We encourage all participants to follow this pattern as they develop their best habits for reading, studying, and meditating on God's Word. Now, you can read for more than 10 minutes if you, if you want to, if you have the desire to do so. But if you've got a time constraint, 15-minute devotional time establishes your good habits every day. And uh, we normally pre-record these uh, devotionals before we get going here. And all I can tell you is that it's really, really important for you to be focused on God's Word because of all the turmoil and chaos that the world is experiencing right now. And maybe even your own life, you're experiencing that very thing as we speak here. Uh, all I can tell you is that God's Word is a, a word of comfort, a word of encouragement. And there are some things that His Word emphasizes to us about the importance of really focusing on obedience to him and his word. And we're actually going to cover that a little bit today, too, in uh, today's reading. So let's go ahead and get started. Amen. The passages we're going to be looking at for today are Deuteronomy uh, 23, verse 1 through 24, 13. Deuteronomy 23, verse 1 to 24, 13. Then Luke chapter 10, verses 13 to 24. Psalm 75 verses 6 through 10, and Proverbs 18, verses 14 and 15. Sorry about that. So those are the passages for today, and so we're going to go ahead and get started, first of all, with reading in Deuteronomy, but the most important thing we do before we get started, of course, is to give this matter to the Lord and give it to prayer. Amen? Let's get started. Father, thank you for this time that you are with us once more as we sit quietly now and hear you speak to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray for comfort and peace for those of us who are going through times of turmoil of some sort. We know that Satan is very busy and wants to disrupt the very process that we have to get before you and get into your word. Lord, we rebuke Satan right now in this area and we ask that you just continue to... Uh, Give us what we need to focus on you and your word and not focus or dwell on those things that are harmful or difficult. But, Lord, you're the one who helps us manage and get through and endure these very things. 
We thank you for your presence, Lord. We thank you for the teaching that comes with it as well, too, and the encouragement. And we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everybody, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Deuteronomy 23. We're going to look at Deuteronomy 23 and start at verse 1. Now, what you're going to see as you typically do your readings, you're going to run into situations where the readings are going to jump a little bit depending upon where you are. For example, in Deuteronomy, especially in the latter parts of Deuteronomy, there's a lot of movement throughout the scripture as far as the subject matter is concerned. We're going to read through it. And we're going to give a basic summary of what we've read, what we're reading, and maybe make a couple points in between about some of the specific subject matter. Now, when I open up with this, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. And verse 1 is one of those verses that just kind of jumps out and pops you (laughs) right between the eyes, especially if you're a guy. So let's just be, uh, uh, hang on to your, fasten your seatbelts as we go here. But there's a reason why we do this. And and it's important for us to see how God truly makes a point gives us information because he doesn't pull any punches he gives it to you right between the eyes what you need to hear and understand verse 1 deuteronomy 23 if a man's testicles are crushed or his penis is cut off he may not be admitted to the assembly of the lord if a person is illegitimate by birth neither he nor his descendants for 10 generations may be admitted to the assembly of the lord Verse 3, no Ammonite or Moabite or any of their descendants for ten generations may be admitted to the assembly of the Lord. These nations did not welcome you with food and water when you came out of Egypt. Instead, they hired Balaam, son of Beor, from Pethor in distant Amaraham to curse you. I have to say that too quickly here. Verse 5, but the Lord your God refused to listen to Balaam. He turned the intended curse into a blessing because the Lord your God loves you. As long as you live, you must never promote the welfare and prosperity of the Ammonites or Moabites. Do not detest the Edomites or the Egyptians because the Edomites are your relatives and you lived as foreigners among the Egyptians. The third generation of Edomites and Egyptians may enter the assembly of the Lord. And verse 9. When you go to war against your enemies, be sure to stay away from anything that is impure. Any man who becomes ceremonially defiled because of a nocturnal emission must leave the camp and stay away all day. Toward evening, he must bathe himself, and at sunset, he may return to the camp. You must have a designated area outside the camp where you can go to relieve yourself. Each of you must have a spade as a part of your equipment. Whenever you relieve yourself, dig a hole with a spade and cover the excrement. Verse 14, the camp must be holy, for the Lord your God moves around in your camp to protect you and defeat your enemies. He must not see any shameful thing among you, or he will turn away from you. Verse 15, if slaves should escape from their masters and take refuge with you, you must not hand them over to their masters. Let them them live among you in any town they choose and do not oppress them. Verse 17, no Israelite, whether man or woman, may become a temple prostitute. When you are bringing an offering to fulfill a vow, you must not bring to the house of the Lord your God anything, any offering from the earnings of a prostitute, whether a man or a woman, for both are detestable to the Lord your God. Verse 19, do not charge interest on the loans you make to a fellow Israelite, whether you loan money or food or anything else. You may, change, you may charge interest to foreigners, 
but you may not charge interest to Israelites so that the Lord your God may bless you in everything you do in the land you are about to enter and occupy. When you make a vow to the Lord your God, be prompt in fulfilling whatever you promised him. For the Lord your God demands that you promptly fulfill all your vows or you will be guilty of sin. However, it is not a sin to refrain from making a vow. But once you have voluntarily made a vow, be careful to fulfill your promise to the Lord. Your God. When you enter your neighbor's vineyard, you may eat your fill of grapes, but you must not carry any away in a basket. And when you enter your neighbor's field of grain, you may pluck the heads of grain with your hand, but you must not harvest it with a sickle. Okay, that's all of Deuteronomy 23, uh, the rest of Deuteronomy 23. And let's go over to uh, chapter 24, verse 1, and continue reading. Verse 1, suppose a man marries a woman, but she does not please him. Having discovered something wrong with her, he writes a document of divorce, hands it to her, and sends her away from his house. When she leaves his house, she is free to marry another man. But if the second husband also turns against her, write a document of divorce, writes a document of divorce, hands it to her, and sends her away, or if if he dies, the first husband may not marry her again, for she has been defiled. That would be detestable to the Lord. That would be detestable. You must not bring guilt upon the land that the Lord your God is giving you as a special possession. Then verse 5, a newly married man must not be drafted into the army or be given any other official responsibilities. He must be free to spend one year at home, bringing happiness to the wife he has married. It is wrong to take a set of millstones, or even just the upper millstone, as a security for a loan, for the owner uses it to make a living. Verse 7, if anyone kidnaps a fellow Israelite and treats him as a slave or sells him, the kidnapper must die. In this way, you will purge the evil from among you. In all cases involving serious skin diseases, be careful to follow the instructions of the Levitical priests, obey all the commands I have given them. Remember what the Lord your God did to Miriam as you were coming from Egypt. If you lend anything to your neighbor, do not enter his house to pick up the item he is giving as security. You must wait outside while he goes in and brings it out to you. If your neighbor is poor and gives you his cloak as security for a loan, do not keep the cloak overnight. Return the cloak to its owner by sunset so he can stay warm through the night and bless you. And the Lord your God will count you as righteous. Okay, that's the Deuteronomy reading for today. And I'm just going to go back over this very quickly. The most important thing that we need to see, because there were several different points being covered here, everything from those who are excluded from the assembly, of those who are gathering together to uh, a lack of cleanliness in the camp, and various laws. That was talked about in, in Deuteronomy chapter 23. The most important takeaway of all of this is obey the Lord your God. If he gives you a command, if he tells you something, there's a reason why he tells you this. But he wants everyone involved who is listening to this information or reading this information to know that the Lord has standards. And what we sometimes as human beings do is try to compromise on those standards or pull back from those things because they're inconvenient or perhaps we're lazy. We're not fulfilling, frankly, what the Lord is telling us to do. And he's telling us exactly the opposite. We need to make sure that we have a standard that we hold up to. 
Now, this thing um, at the beginning of, of uh, Deuteronomy 23, we're reading about a man's testicles being crushed. But the issue was more about asceticism. Um, I think that what the Lord is pointing out here, and there are some people there who uh, believe in doing certain things to try to keep themselves uh, separate from society. In other words, make a distinction. Like back in the days when monks were practicing, the Lord is not in favor of this. He's not in favor of people separating themselves or trying to show themselves as being separate from society. He wants people to assimilate. He wants people to get together. He wants, just like believers, if we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel, he doesn't want us to be live as separatists. He doesn't want us practicing these things. He doesn't want us to separate from individuals thinking, well, because they're not living a certain way, I wanna, I'm going to pretend or live in such a manner where I look like I'm holy before others as well, too. That's not what the Lord wants. So I want you to understand that this is a standard that he is putting in place here to show that he does. He's not in favor of that type of practice. And anyone who is illegitimate um, or anyone who has in any way opposed um, uh, the nation of, Egypt, uh, nation of Israel uh, when they had uh, been come out of Egypt, he doesn't want them to associate and be in the assembly with the Lord um, because those are people who are practicing uh, that were following Balaam. They were following the practices of Balaam and living in such a manner where they were opposed to the Lord. But there were those or others who were not opposed to uh, uh, the Israelites, the Edomites, uh, or the Egyptians. They are the ones who are, have relatives and, they are, and therefore were permitted to be w within the assembly. Uncleanliness in the camp. Real quick, uh, the bottom line with this is that if there is a practice in place about how to take care of, of, of you know when you're relieving yourself or when you when you have have to do something of that nature the lord is setting standards here about what to do with this it has to be done outside of camp it has to be done in a certain area that's designated it has to be done where you take a shovel with you if you have to now obviously they didn't have sanitation back then they didn't have those practices like we do today but this is more about just being obedient to the lord and what he calls you to do that's more about what this is about here you're not just going to do anything because he is declaring that he moves about the camp. He is holy. He doesn't want to see something that would defile him or, or something that would embarrass, frankly, the, the people of Israel by, by having a lack of cleanliness, having a, having a lack of standards. And the various laws are putting in pla he puts in place here, too, how to treat people the right way, how to live in such a manner where you're treating people the right way. And that's what we need to recognize here, too. Um, and not making vows, uh, not doing anything that if you make a vow, you better make sure you fulfill it. If you don't do that, that's against what God would have you to do. Um, I love this in verse 15. If slaves should escape from their masters and take refuge with you, you must not hand them over to your masters. Let them live among you in any town they choose and do not oppress them. One thing we have to understand here, too, is that, um, in, and we'll see it in, also in chapter 24 as well, too. The Lord does not is not in favor of slavery. Slavery is essentially um, people being held in bondage against their will, and frankly, there is a monetary value to that. Uh, if a slave person, a person who's a slave doing work for a slave owner, then they are profiting off of that. Well, that's something the Lord is not in favor of, and we need to understand that. I think I mentioned in the previous broadcast too that there are people who are always going to be less fortunate are people among us who are poor you treat them the right way and you treat them favorably you don't treat them 
like they're slaves. That's not what this is all about. And I think it's very clear what God says about this, but people need to understand it's not necessarily a, a bad thing if you have someone who's working uh, for the individual and they're not being treated poorly. They're treating very, being treated very well. They're being fed. They're being provided clothing. They're being taken care of. That's essentially what I will draw the line with when it comes to that because we need to recognize that that's not slavery. That is helping out someone who is less fortunate or is not able to do anything maybe lacks an education, whatever it is, and they're working with their hands. But if we go further into verse 24, there's a section I want to go down to about, let's see if I can find it real quick again here too. Uh, it has to do with, oh, verse 7. If anyone kidnaps a fellow Israelite and treats him as a slave or sells him, the kidnapper must die. This is the Lord's standard. In this way, you will purge, what, the evil from among you. He makes that statement several times here. And uh, I didn't want to overlook the section about divorce as well, too. But um, the fact is, is that the Lord has a standard about divorce and the Mosaic law and following that. I'm going to um, basically just have you understand that divorce was permitted because Moses uh, acknowledged that the people, the, the people involved were, had hardened hearts. They weren't doing things the right way, so the Lord had to establish certain standards even in the midst of divorce. So we, we recognize that for what it is. And let's not bend the rules and, and do things that try to make divorce acceptable. It's never really acceptable. It's never really liked or appreciated. It does a lot of damage. It's not something that we should be running to do when something goes bad in a relationship. If anything, we should be reconciling with each other and going to God for guidance and wisdom in going through those times of difficulty. So I didn't want to jump around too much, but the passages today unfortunately kind of uh, allow for that. Take the time to read this section of Deuteronomy chapter 23 and the first part of 24:13 on your own, please. Um, and if you have any comments about this section, please feel free to leave them um, on the respective medium where you're at. Let's go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verse 13. And we're going to read through to verse 24. Luke 10, verses 13 through 24. And I apologize if I seemed a little bit rushed there. I wasn't trying to be. It, it wasn't intended just because we do want to respect the amount of time that you have in participating in this program and not doing a lot of run-on stuff. So I appreciate your uh, understanding with that. Let's go to Luke 10, verse 13. Again, the New Living Translation. What sorrow awaits you, Chorazin and Bethsaida? For if the miracles I did in you had been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon, their people would have rep repented of their sins long ago, clothing themselves in burlap and throwing ashes on their heads to show their remorse. Verse 14. Yes, Tyre and Sidon will be better off on Judgment Day than you. Verse 15, and you people of Capernaum, will you be honored in heaven? No, you will, be, you will go down to the place of the dead. Verse 16, then he, Jesus, said to the disciples, anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me, and anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. Anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. Then verse 17, 
When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. In verse 21, at the same time, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit and said, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. My Father has entrusted me everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Verse 23, Then when they were done, he turned to the disciples and said, Blessed are the eyes that see what you have seen. I tell you, many peoples and kings long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. So what is this section about? This is about a judgment. Um, he is giving a, a a woe to those unrepentant cities where he had made himself known. And they chose to reject him. And they chose to reject the message of Jesus Christ. In spite of the miracles, in spite of the evidence, in spite of what they were being told, they chose to reject him. And so he's giving a judgment to those cities and those people about what's happening. And... Back to verse 16 in Luke chapter 10. And he said to the disciples, anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. And anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. And anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. It's a very clear statement, isn't it? You have to understand that there are people out there who will listen to the truth, maybe even listen to you talk about the truth of Jesus Christ, and yet reject the message because... They've made a choice, a decision to live outside of God's will, outside of his ways, outside of any need or reason to be obedient to him and live. uh, Frankly, you've chosen a side. You've chosen to follow the side that perpetrates or wants to follow evil and evil practices because God is the exact opposite of that. So we have to recognize that rejecting Jesus is rejecting God, rejects Jesus altogether, rejects the word, the very word itself. And that's important for us to see. And understand that this is also a teachable opportunity for the, for the disciples as well, too. And that includes the 72 disciples who were sent out uh, by God because uh, uh, sent out by Jesus to go out and proclaim his name. But you have to understand that their success is God's success. That's a teachable moment for them. It's not that they're listening to specifically the words that they're saying, those disciples are saying, but you're they're following or they're responding to what God is doing. God is the one who is healing and putting forth all of this healing and that's taking place um, by those 72 that went out. And the lesson for us is that we recognize that God is doing it. When we pray for healing for an individual, for example, who we know who are ailing, and we see that God responds to that, by healing the individual, that's where he is the one to be praised. Not for the, necessarily the doctors or the people uh, who are doing the work. It, God is the one to be praised. So we need to recognize that that's the importance of that as well, too. Okay. And 
One other thing that I just kind of picked up on, and I read this before in, in preparation, I missed it. Verse 21, uh, Luke chapter 10. At the same time, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And he said, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever for revealing them to the child and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do this, do it this way. It's more evidence of how the Spirit is working in the lives of the believer when it says the joy of the Holy Spirit. And that's when basically you're just overcome with elation, that recognizing that God is doing great things in your life because the Spirit gives you the recognition of this. He makes you recognize, or He makes you recognize exactly what you need to see as you live your life. And that's when everything is just going crazy. And recognizing that the Spirit is still going to be able to one to encourage you, guide you, lead you, and make you recognize how wonderful, how glorious it is a feeling to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that you see that from this particular reading on what the what Jesus himself uttered and about how he reveals things to those who are truly sensitive to him and listening to him speak. That is what was really important here, too. Those who think they're smart, those who think they're clever, think they can do it a better way, they will be rejecting Jesus. And that's what we have to recognize, too. It's all about the heart. Let's take a look at Psalm 75. Psalm 75, verses 6 through 10. Psalm 75, verses 6 through 10. Verse 6. For no one on earth from east or west or even the wilderness should raise a defiant fist. Verse 7. It is God alone who judges. He will decide who rises, who will rise, and who will fall. For the Lord holds a cup in his hand that is full of foaming wine mixed with spices. He pours out the wine in judgment, and the wicked must drink it draining to the dregs. But as for me, I will always proclaim what God has done. I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. For God says, I will break the strength of the wicked, but I will increase the power of the godly. Now, this passage in Psalm 75 is referring to how God's going to judge and he's going to be fair. He's going to be have equity in doing so. He's going to judge those, frankly, that have been evil. And he is going to uh, basically show once and for all, for all of us, about how he is going to uh, basically uh, right those wrongs that have taken place over time. There's going to be a judgment for those who practice evil and that the people will recognize it and see that. And verse 10 is a great verse to summarize this. For God says, I will break the strength of the wicked, but I will increase the power of the godly. If you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you have nothing to be fearful of. He indeed is the one who has your very soul in his hands. And yes, as we look out around us and look at the world we live in today and look at all of the evil that's taking place and people making decisions out of selfishness, out of fleshliness, out of the desire to frankly live as they want and not to be obedient to the Lord, that's their choice to do that. But recognize that there is a consequence that comes from that. And that's what we have to recognize here. This Psalm 75 is a prayer of thanksgiving. And we know that this 
these future events of judgment are going to take place, but we're thankful that the Lord is a just God. He is a righteous God. And he will, in fact, make sure that his justice will be meted out against those who reject him altogether. One more passage is Proverbs 18, verses 14 and 15. And again, I thank you so much for your patience uh, going through a couple of baubles here, going through the process of trying to keep everything together here as far as uh, the content is concerned. But we appreciate that for today. We always appreciate it, but thank you. Uh, Proverbs 18, let's look at verses 14 and 15. Proverbs 18, verses 14 and 15. And God is good, amen? He is worthy of our praise. Verse 14, the human spirit can endure a sick body, but who can bear a crushed spirit? Intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are open for knowledge. Now, this is why I said earlier in in this particular program the importance of encouragement. You know, if you have something happen to your body, like if you break a leg and you can recover from that usually, but if your spirit is broken, you're broken. You're a broken person. And God is the only one who can encourage you in a time like this. And there are so many different examples that you can come up with to think about how God has encouraged you even when you really didn't see anything, any way out of a situation. But yet God has kept you and protected you. Um, And you need to understand that it's important for us to make sure that we're giving the Lord credit and understanding that we derive our strength from him. Um, and when it's time to celebrate, when it's time to rejoice, we need to just give it all our give it all we can. We we recognize that sometimes we're not really in a mood to rejoice, but when we are in that capacity to rejoice, uh, let me take a look real quick at Nehemiah chapter eight verse ten. Um, Nehemiah eight verse ten. You can go ahead and turn to that because we're this will be the close of today's program. But we need to understand that. There are times when we are going to be celebrating and times we're not going to be celebrating, but we want to make sure that we are always giving emphasis on celebrating as we are able and giving the Lord praise because and thanks for how he has delivered us through those difficult moments. Verse 10 in Nehemiah 8 says, And Nehemiah continued, Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You are strong enough and you're capable of carrying on before the Lord because he gives you that energy to do so. And that is what we need to recognize here. He is the joy of our lives. He is the one that gives us joy. And let me summarize with verse 15 again, too. People who are intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are open for knowledge. May you be a person who is intelligent enough and recognizes enough that you can't do this life alone without the Lord. And you're open for God's wisdom and knowledge as you read his word and allowing the spirit to speak in your life. That is the best takeaway I can give for a time such as this that we live in. Always be open for the Lord's teaching through the power of the Spirit in your life. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you again for this time that we have sat before you with your word. And Lord, we know that 
Sometimes we need to take more than the 15 minutes of time we have to read and study your word. And Lord, compel us to go back to your word if we are time, if we have a time constraint. And we always have a hunger and desire to learn more from you about who you are and what you want to teach us during a time such as this that we live in. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. Help us to remain prayerful and help us to remain faithful to your word. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me for this 15-minute devotional. We appreciate you being here today. God bless you and take care of yourselves. And we will see you next time.